We use our phones for everything at this point, and I am absolutely guilty of that. I look up recipes on my phone. I meal plan on my phone. I use my GPS, even though I know where I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) But did you know that you can also use your phone for some sexy me time? Don't worry. Your fantasies are safe with Dipsy. Just don't forget to use your headphones. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with vampires, Greek gods, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy written stories to read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time. Explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. For listeners of our show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup dipsystories.com slash just break up. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like the siren song of forbidden love, living in (laughs) the woulda, coulda, shoulda, and being fed up with dating. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners, professionals. Uh, We know a bunch of stuff, but like nothing formal, <laughs> like no one ever like put it in a Mm-mm. book that uh, we did read books. Uh, yeah. no one ever like yeah. stood in, we never sat in a lecture <laughs> hall and heard someone talk about no, it. Let's never. say that <laughs> never in my life. <laughs> Just kidding. I have an English degree. Uh, yeah. Sam and I are not professionals when it comes to, uh, mental health or relationships. So please take our advice as you see fit in your life. We're just here to offer our ever humble musing. So hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing experience that is love, live life, love, live, live, laugh, love. <laughs> live, yes. All those things. <laughs> all right. So this week's check-in topic is inspired by Samuel. Samuel texted me the other day and said, I'm having revelations about joy and we wanted to share them here. I was having revelations about joy. It was very exciting. Um, I have been thinking about joy quite a bit um, because I feel like I'm experiencing joy in new and different ways Um, and experiencing joy with like an intensity that I don't think that I've experienced um, in a long time where it's sort of like sudden surprises of like, oh, oh my God, I love this thing so much or whatever it is. And I was thinking about it, um, and thinking about like how we don't often look at joy as being like a big emotion, right? We talk about like big Mm. emotions as being like these things that we need to figure out how to work through, right? Like 
grief or like anger or sadness or whatever. And we're like, oh, these are big emotions and it's really hard for us to like hold them. So we do things like try and find like off ramps for them, right? We don't want to feel the grief. Mm -hmm. We don't want to feel the anger. So we give ourselves meta emotions or we try and find ways to control things so that we don't feel those things anymore. And I was thinking about joy as also being this big emotion that like many of us are not super good at holding for ourselves and that many of us may also experience some fear around because it is big. It's like a, it's like a primal sort of like thing that erupts in us. And just like thinking about the way that uh, Brene Brown talks about like foreboding joy, which is like when we experience joy, we, we pivot to this idea that like, it's never going to last, right? Like, oh, I love right. this thing so much and uh, someday it will die or in four minutes, uh, this experience will be over and how sad will that be, right? Like we, we pivot away from just like right. the bright, like burning sensation that is joy um, or we like feel guilty about the joy that we're having in the same way that we feel like guilty about like anger that we have or jealousy that we have, right? We've, we were like, oh, I'm feeling joy and so many people are sad to like, oh, I f I'm such a bad person for feeling this joy when the world is so fucked up. And I'm just thinking about how we spend a whole lot of time like deconstructing and sitting in these like quote unquote, like bad emotions. Um, but mm -hmm. we often don't spend a whole lot of time like sitting in these positive emotions and and like devoting the same amount of time and attention to the cultivation or like our ability to experience those emotions in ways that are like healthy and productive for us. Does that make sense? Right. <laughs> yes, totally. <Okay. laughs> and I, I, this, yes. Um, I really appreciated your text messages and you sharing that with me and with our Just Break audience. Uh, mm -hmm. And it reminds me of, you know, when I had the, when I had the breakup uh, that came right before Just Break Up, um, you know, I was like dumped. And then a couple months later, you and I made this podcast. <laughs> um, uh -huh. And I, you know, I was already having a really hard year. I was having a hard sort of season of my life and I was questioning all of my professional and interpersonal choices. And after I was dumped by my serial cheater boyfriend, <laughs> I, it was such like a shitty rock bottom that it made me really rethink my, like, my choices and my path to happiness and like what I had been prioritizing in my career, in my personal interpersonal relationships. And I remember explaining to you and my loved ones at the time that I had this reckoning that I realized that I needed to prioritize love and feeling, feeling love and, and giving love. And I didn't mean romantically, like I didn't mean mm -hmm. I needed to jump into another relationship. I needed to, seek love. And by love, I truly meant joy. I meant, mm -hmm. I meant things and people that made me feel elation and made me feel free and made me feel love and warmth and growth and, and, and all of those things that we associate with joy. And at that time it was really pivotal because then I decided to, to stop following, you know, career pressures. And I tried mm -hmm. to stop following, um, you know, relationships that were, un that were only angst and work and hard and struggle, you know, right. and like small sprinkles of joy. But instead I just tried to follow 
follow my joy, like follow the love. And that's really the the pulse or the energy that we started to just break up with because it was never supposed to be a career. It was just supposed to be this passion project that was joy driven. Yeah. And I really appreciate this check-in topic because I feel like I've kind of lost touch with that um, is you can't passively pursue joy, right? You, you can't passively because mm-hmm. it that undermines it. That makes it one of those smaller emotions that you're talking about that we don't actually prioritize. Mm-hmm. If we don't think about joy as like something that we a have to cultivate and B have to practice how to experience and how to welcome into our lives. Yep. Then it's going to come harder to us. Just, just like processing harder emotions is difficult until you start leaning into that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you have to like lean into joy as much as you need to lean into discomfort. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we don't talk about that nearly as much as we talk about like leaning into discomfort. And I think like part of it is probably like grind culture, right? This idea that like we should always be improving. We should always be performing. Like we should always be moving towards something. And if we're not, then like our, our inertness is like, or our idleness is somehow like bad. It like undermines our worth, but it's like, I feel like we, we don't view joy as profound or important Right. Or and we don't view it as very serious. Right. Like when we think about like working through anger or sorrow or grief or like, oh, yes, these are big. These are big, serious emotions that we that we need to take seriously, that we need to pay a lot of attention to. And I think when it comes to things like joy, it's like, oh, no, that should be easy. Right. And people who spend a lot of time working through and holding joy are like silly. Right. Like they're they're not serious. Mm-hmm. They're not. Right. They're they're denying trivial. these like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they're focused on the trivial things when like the meat of everything is about how sad we are or like how how hurt we are or like all of that stuff, which don't get me wrong, is important stuff, right? Like, I I think that we also need to be focusing on like, how are we talking about the trauma that we've been through? How are we talking about the, the grief, anger, jealousy, those emotions that are coming up Mm -hmm. for us. But, um, but I think, I think that there's something to be said for what is, what does work look like in pursuit of joy and not just in pursuit of finding ways to manage our bad emotions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what is that? Mm-hmm. How, how different would, would I operate if instead of being like, Ooh, the places where I need to be most uncomfortable, are all the places where I'm noticing this, like part of myself that's unhealed and I need to work on that. And instead being like, Yes, that's part of it. But also part of the thing that you can be working on is instead also cultivating a sense of joy and peace and love. And those things aren't easy either. Those things are not easy things to be doing. Those take intentional work, intentional choice. Like you have to be focusing on it. You can't just take for granted that when joy comes into your life, you're going to be able to experience it in a meaningful way. Because I was not able to do that for a very long time as I was like coping with all of this trauma that I had. And now when it's coming, I'm like, what is this? <laughs> like, this is like, what am I supposed to do with this? I, I don't know where to put this. Like yeah. this, this moment of like pure unadulterated, like joy in the way that my cat you gotta looks. go play in the oh, rain. Like, yeah, with exactly. Drew Barrymore. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm just having this, like yeah. this sort of revelation about it as I was, as I was sitting down to journal and was like trying to hash out all of these bad things that were happening and being like, 
why am I doing this? This is like not fun. <laughs> like, why don't I spend more time thinking about <laughs> how cute my cat looks or thinking about like how funny that joke that Peter just said was like, I'm so, yeah, I'm missing all that. Cause I don't think it is as serious or as important as digging into those other emotions. Actually. So when you texted me, I ended up sending Sam some pictures of my daughter just in like mm. pure bliss, like pure unadulterated joy, the way only babies can be, you know, and, and t young children and this conversation um, and why I sent those pictures reminds me that like, you know, we can always do that inner child work and because there's a little child in us that learned that we need to suppress our joy to take care of our elders or that we needed to protect ourselves and we needed to know mm -hmm. everything and anticipate everything or life came at us and we had to grow up too fast. Um, but you know, children don't suppress their joy. You know, children aren't afraid of like leaning into that silly, uh, embarrassing, uncomfortable, uncomfortable happiness, the way adults and our baggage tend to, um, For sure. so there's obviously, there's obviously like a little child in you that, that needs to be celebrated and, and yeah. released of the responsibility of like, of having to, to deal with life. You know, you just want to be joyful. You just want to like laugh For sure. For sure. <laughs> and play. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that there's like, I've, I've learned practices to cultivate a sense of satisfaction, right? Like I've learned things of mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'll go for a walk in the woods and that will make me feel good because I'll have done the thing, right? Or I'll work on this project mm -hmm. because I really like when it's done and I can say, wow, look at all the time and intention I put into it. But joy feels like such a different emotion because it's not, it's not like I did something and therefore I get this reward for it. It's more like, how are you right. fully present to experience this thing in the moment and not just after the fact? Um and that's, yes. that's something that is hard for me and I'm sure is probably hard for lots of folks. So that's, that's definitely something that I'm going to be thinking about over the new year, probably. I mean, that's what we're coming up on. So maybe yeah. my, maybe 2023 yeah. will be the year of joy. Do not play this back for me in like March of 2023 when there's like a world war <laughs> happening and you're like, Sam thought 2023 was going to be a great year. Like, yes, I know these predictions are bad. All of you were like, <laughs> all of you were like, you had such high hopes for 2020, yeah. <laughs> you dumb fucks. Yeah. <laughs> you can find me because, on like, any. we have an audio. <laughs> Just like tweeting at me at my Twitter that I January. haven't checked. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like you can't find me, people. I'm a rock. I'm an island. All right. Let's get into our Wrap letters. Wrap it up, kids. Okay. All right. Our first letter comes to us from C.Y., whose pronouns are he, him, who is writing to us from Atlanta. Dear Sam and Sierra, y'all have helped me grow through multiple breakups since I started listening to the podcast in 2018. Thank you for being the co-pilot on these journeys and so many overlapping road trips. Oh, I love that. You both and all of the community share a piece of my heart. My question is twofold. How do you know when you're in love? What does one do about forbidden love? I'm in my early 30s and my crush and romantic interest is in her early 20s. But we just realized this last week. We know each other through mutual friends and former co-workers in our retrospective fields and would side chat after work. Eventually, we followed each other on social media and struck up chats and DMs, to which I eventually offered my number and a desire to keep in touch over text. She texted me soon after and we've been texting every day for about a month. 
one week into this, she met up with me and some friends after she worked a late night weekend shift. We stayed out until bar had closed down and she offered to drive me home. I obliged and we kept talking in the car uh, when we got to my place. I asked if she'd like to keep talking inside and we talked for three more hours until 5 a.m. We shared one drink there and we both felt so invested in the conversation. We just didn't want the evening to end. Alas, she had to work the next day and I had to drive friends to the airport next afternoon. But later that week, she impromptu reached out about meeting up for a drink and karaoke dance night. We ended up dancing together along with her friends for hours. I had to work the next day, but dropped her off at the next bar where her friends were going to. Texting continued throughout the week, eventually leading to a Halloween party at one of our mutual uh, favorite bars. She had been out for... She had been out to dinner and drinks before with her childhood best friend who came into town and was a little all over the place forward, unlike how she had been before and eager to gossip with her friend. It was a fun but peculiar evening with her flirting with me and a separate mutual friend of ours and her best friend also flirting with me. I made it clear that I wanted to properly ask her out. And as the party wound down and I made my exit, she insisted on seeing me out. We talked for several minutes. I asked her out and expressed how I'd like to spend more time together when we are sober and aren't drinking or high and get to know her more. We bantered back and forth and eventually kissed for a minute, which was sweet and felt very heartfelt and good in the moment. The next day, we were texting and recapping about the evening. Oddly enough, we had never talked about how old we were. Come to find out, I thought she was 26. She thought I was 28. In actuality, I'm 32 and she is 22. We agreed in that conversation that given all the people we know and the social circles we run in and the different stages of life we are in, we should just stay friends. But as the next few weeks pass, we continue to talk every day, even more, in fact, and I feel such a strong connection to this person with our goals, passions, values, and caring, respectful, seamless conversation. I'm wowed by the things she wants to do, the experiences she's accumulated and shared, and the unexpected combination of skills, interests, life goals, and self-awareness she shares in our interaction. I'm wowed by the things she wants to do, the experiences she's accumulated and shared, and the unexpected combination of skills, interests, life goals, and self-awareness she shares in our interactions. We finally spent some time outside of our social circles, one-on-one, without going out and drinking, and spent 11 hours together, constant conversation, feeling at ease and open, and up for the adventure of the day. It's one of the best days I've had all year, damn near perfect. We got coffee, went for a hike, shared stories by the river, got groceries <laughs> love love grocery shopping dating cook dinner watch one of our favorite star wars shows together listen to music and just kept talking we sat close on the couch but kept it here and shared the best hug i can remember in years as i walked her to her car at the end of the night no kiss or make out or hooking up but just a deep sense of connection nonetheless i know we are far apart in age at the moment but i just feel so drawn to this person and get the same feeling from her I know it could be unrealistic that life paths could even align given the age difference, but I just want to keep spending more time with this person and want to get to know them more and continue to be vulnerable and even more intimate. It feels like I'm almost falling in love, to which I have before, but this is my brain going haywire that this can't even be falling in love already, and you're too old for this person. They're too young. We both sense that there's such an age difference, yet we both want to spend time with talk to and get to know each other is this wrong am i 
in over my head and jumping the gun to wonder if this is starting to fall in love. Thanks for holding space for my question and the hearts of all who reach out and listen to your show with love. C. All right. C. thank you so much for listening and for trusting us with this letter. Uh, I think this is a great question. Um, I don't think we've talked about age differences since like maybe the first year of our show. And we probably have like some of the same um, opinions, mostly maybe some, some different. Um, And so this is a question about age differences. And it's also kind of a question about like, uh, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me sort of thing. (laughs) <laughs> can I fall in love with somebody really fast? I guess. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, what do you want to start with age difference? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do, I love this letter because it sounds like, like, a indie romantic movie for sure of like <laughs> going out and karaoke and dancing and kissing and then hiking and buying groceries together. And then like this, like moment of like, oh, we're different ages. Like this is like sort of the, the, the yeah. wrench that gets thrown into the gears of this like beautiful love story. Um, yeah. and also we know that <laughs> we don't live in movies. We like live in real life where there are like real life consequences to the things that we do. Um, So, yeah, we can talk about age gaps. Um, And I think that this is just so hard because, you know, like a 10 year age gap doesn't matter as much when you're like 50 and 40. Right. Like that's sort of like a manageable amount of distance to have between each other. And the distance between 22 and 32 is just so just feels so large. (laughs) Just like as somebody who's like who was 32, like two years ago, like the idea of dating somebody who's 22 at that age is just, just wild to me. Right. Like a, like a recent college graduate, um, when I was like 32 years old. Um, and that's not to say that there aren't like very immature 22 year olds or like very immature 32 year olds. Right. We know that there's like a whole lot of like gray area when it comes to people's ages and, there's just something that feels like weird or like inappropriate or uncomfortable to me. I'll guess I'll say this about an age different or an age difference that vast in these particular ages, right? Like early twenties feels like, and because it is such a formative time when folks are really learning about themselves and about how relationships work and what they want and all of that stuff, right. Thinking about myself at 22 and like the shit that I was doing (laughs) to myself and other people. Ooh. Uh, And just thinking about like the opportunity there for, um, for power dynamics that feel weird, uh, the opportunity there for, um, like perceived sort of like exploitation that might be happening. Right. Mm -hmm. And just thinking about too, like the gendered aspect of this and the behavior of men who are significantly older than the women that they date and like the weird exploitative way that that sort of plays out. So that's like why the ick is kind of coming up for me as I'm like hearing about this sort of relationship between like this big age gap at this particular age. Um, and just want to say that like, there's nothing like technically inappropriate about it, but it does strike me as being a really big challenge to navigate this big of an age gift difference at this particular age. 
Yeah, I think um, Sam covered a lot of my feelings. And I don't have... um, I don't have as strong of an ick response as Sam does, but I agree with everything that he said. I think that it's just, you know, if you're 65 and 55, nobody cares. Nobody even asks your age anymore. You know what I mean? Nobody like (laughs) none of your friends are like, so how old is your boyfriend at the, at the community center? You know, um, or maybe they do live. You're listening. Mom, let me know. Um, (laughs) but It's like Sam said, when you're, it's just such a pivotal time and, um, it's just a time of such extreme growth and change and, and it's the power dynamics that can come from that, uh, dynamic, you know, where it's, you might be, I I just want to say really quickly, like, are there relationships out there with big age gaps, gaps that are fine and healthy and stable and secure? Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. They absolutely exist. Um, and so take, you know, know that. And then, and also Sam and I were saying like, we don't know in our personal lives, personally, in our experience and our friends' experiences, we don't know an age gap specifically in this bracket, you know, like early 20s to 30s, a decade that turned out well for us. Do you know what I mean? Like, or turned out right. well for our friends that were in them. And and so, like, I think why my ick factor is lower is because I am trying to open. I'm trying to approach this letter with an open heart and For sure. um, an understanding that, that like people are complicated and different and are always at different stages in their lives than I am and different mm-hmm. have different tools and, and whatever. So I have never been in this relationship, so I have no idea. And also I've seen True. patterns of behavior across our culture, whether it's patriarchally, you know, um, how men treat younger women. I've seen um, abusive relationship dynamics arise in innocent places. Like when one partner is more financially and professionally more stable and secure than another, then that becomes like a power dynamic. Mm. Um, I've also seen people use being at different places in their lives for an avenue for eventually like emotional abuse, like, oh, well, you're so young, you don't understand, you need to get your life together, all of your friends are so sloppy and messy, like you need to come along my life track and not just stay on yours. So that's, that's where our concern is coming from. And again, it sounds like you're open to hearing all of this. So Mm -hmm. it's not like we're saying you're being a predatory creep. We're saying like, there might be some dynamics are at play here that that justifiably should make you think about this do you know what i mean like it's good that you're being like is this the right choice because to be honest my darling like i agree with sam i don't think even if i was like oh my god i'm so drawn to you you seem like a magic magical person you know i don't know if i would do an age gap like this because Here's another thing, like, it's always going to be more than age. Like, are your lifestyles aligned right now? Like, is she also is she that. capable of sustaining a relationship in a way that you want right now? Can mm-hmm. you, 
this is not a diss to 20 year olds. Like 20 year olds have a right to live their life and do it in whatever stable or unstable way they want. You know, like every, every (laughs) 20 year old is different, but I'm saying like, you know, if she's 22, I can't tell you how much I've changed as a person from 30 to 36. Unrecognizable from who I was at 30. Do you, what type of relationship are you looking for? And is this person, are you going to be able to be there for all of her evolution? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And these are all just like questions to pose. I'm not inherently against this relationship and I'm not against dating younger people. I'm not against 20 year olds. I like, I, we are all 20 <laughs> forever <laughs> in our souls. Like, uh, we're, we are, we carry our messy twenties with us forever. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And I also feel like we're sort of, we're preaching to the choir in this because you also like have decided that like, this isn't the relationship for you, right? Like you're, you are like, you're recognizing the fact that like this age gap is like too big and you're still sitting in this like idea of, but I still really want to spend time with this person. And also like, am I falling in love with this person? Which like, uh, it's totally understandable because this person sounds like they're awesome, <laughs> right? She sounds, she sounds really great. Um, so what do you, I guess the question is like, how do you navigate wanting to be in relationship with this person in a way that is like friendship oriented that recognizes that this age gap is something that you two are both concerned about when it comes to pursuing a romantic relationship with each other while also being like, Ooh, she sounds like a really great person and I, and I can't afford to fall in love with her, <laughs> right? Like which is yeah. also really challenging and happens not just across age gaps, but happens across like all sorts of different places. Like so many letters we get about, like I went to Europe and I fell in love with a man and we'll never be together, but I, I want to spend more time with him. Right. Like this is, this is something that is, is really common. So Europe, <laughs> yeah, right. Europe, all those European men doing all those different things. Um, so <laughs> my question for you is like, as you're thinking about what this relationship could look like, where does it feel like the healthy and nutritious piece of it is, right? Because there's a world of possibility where you can be in relationship with this person where she's taking up too much space in your heart and your head, even though you know that you don't want to pursue a romantic relationship with her because of this age gap, right? And there's also a possibility where you can find a way to sort of navigate the feelings that you're having for her, Um and, and it sort of depends on like, what is the, the, the best way for you to navigate that? I know that for me, it would be really hard for me to say like, oh, I can't be with this person and I desperately want to, and then spend a whole lot of so time with them. So let's be friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Man, absolutely. humans are wild. Like we that are is wild. exactly what I would do. <laughs> hundred percent and have done, yeah. have done many times where it's like, it's okay. I'll yeah. just be happy with this person in my life. turns out I was not happy. I was deeply unhappy with that person in yeah. my life because I wasn't getting the thing that I wanted from them, which was a more profound and intimate connection with them, which was, uh, the legitimacy of having a label to the thing that we were doing, right. Having sex with them, right. All of these things that I, that were like not available to me. Um, so I, my question is for you, like, where do you see this going in terms of the sustainability of it, right? Like what is the best outcome that you could hope for and what is the reality or likelihood of that, of that outcome happening, right? Best case scenario, you, I don't know, figure out a way to navigate being friends with each other and you develop a new best friend with this person in your life. Um, 
what is the likelihood of that? Like, what is the, is that something that is going to happen for you? And if it is, what are the things that need to be in place for you to be able to get there? What sort of boundaries do you need to, to enact with this person to, to help keep your heart safe? Because it sounds like understandably it's being drawn in this direction towards this person who sounds really great, but for this, the, the fact of this age difference is like not somebody where you can trust your heart to go in this, in this moment. Yeah. Damn. You know, (laughs) damn. I think that the, the thing that we need to consider here is, is what space, what boundaries, what sort of, um, protocols do you need to have in place in order to, to help create the, the physical, emotional, spiritual, mental distance for you to be able to navigate the, these feelings, these understandable feelings that are coming up for you and sit in the reality of the fact that you two have decided that this age gap is not going to work for you. Um, and so, yeah, I know that you really want to talk to you. I know that you really want to spend more time with this person. And the question for you is, is that impulse romantic? Is that impulse? I really want to get to know this person so that I can be in a romantic and intimate relationship with them. And if it is, then that's not going to work, right? Cause you have agreed that your, your relationship isn't right. going to be romantic because it, because of this age gap, um, that you, you have identified as being not something that, that you are interested in sort of working through for all of the reasons that Sierra and I said, and probably 17 more of your own reasons that, that exist particular to your own friendship with this person. Um, so like I said, I think it would be challenging for me to be, to be spending this much time with somebody who I was developing feelings for and not able to pursue romantically. Um, but I, I also know that there are ways that folks can navigate this stuff. Um, as long as you all are having the conversation around like what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, where are the lines, where are the not lines and not fall into this thing that can be so intoxicating, which is this aspect of forbidden love, right? Where I can't tell you how many of my own values, boundaries, and morals I compromised because I was so convinced I was in love with Mm. this person. And I, and I, and the thrill of that's it doing something naughty or bad, right? The idea of like, oh, this feeling that I have for this person is just so big that I therefore get to make not bad decisions for myself because I can't resist the impulse of of this person, which was absolutely true, right? Like I, I could not resist the impulse of that person, but I also had other options available to me that I didn't want to actually consider because the intoxication of that like forbidden love, the, the intimacy that shouldn't be intimate, that like really, really messed me up and also like messed the other person up. Right. Like that just like really fucked us all over in a lot of this different and unfortunate ways. All right, my darling. Um, we know that this is tricky and painful. Um, and we like put a lot out there that you probably already in your head agree with you just have to get your head and your heart to talk to each other absolutely and uh we wish you the best of luck thanks so much for writing thank you so much we love you all right y'all know that sam and i record every single episode of just break up virtually so i literally see this beautiful person on zoom like multiple times a week and every time sam pops up into zoom i comment on their outfit And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says Quince. 
You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. (laughs) Stop wasting money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our next letter comes from the villain who is whose pronouncer she, her, and who's writing from love and loss. Hey, Sierra and Sam, I've been listening to the pod for over a year now, and I find it so helpful to hear you talk through things I may not otherwise have considered. So thank you. I'm writing about a situation that occurred a couple of years ago, but that still weighs on me heavily. In December, 2020, my boyfriend, he, him, and I, she, her broke up. We had been friends in high school and went on to date for over two years. We traveled out of the country together, moved to two different states together, made all of our purchases together, and started businesses together. He was my best friend. We would have been engaged in 2021. 
I came out as queer in high school. He and I were both well aware that I was attracted to and had a preference for women, but our connection after being reunited was so strong, we went into a relationship quickly. In hindsight, we probably should have stayed best friends or at least gone into dating rather than hooking up right away, but I wouldn't trade the experiences we had for anything. Toward the end of 2020, I found myself really unhappy and constantly irritable. I was working a lot and throughout the relationship could never quite shake the, fe the feeling that maybe I was missing out on something or trying to be something I wasn't. Otherwise, everything in our relationship was good or great. I ended up messaging a girl I had had a fling with prior to dating him. We would flirt and talk about how we'd be together if I still lived in my hometown. Eventually, I told my boyfriend I was emotionally cheating on him. He asked me to stop so we could work it out, and I just didn't. It felt like I went into autopilot, and I was making decisions I knew were wrong, but was absolutely avoiding thinking about it thoroughly. Even looking back at it two years later, I cannot comprehend where my mind was at that time. It feels like I was a totally different person. At the end of the day, it had nothing to do with this girl. Nothing ever was going to come from it. I really think that I was just scared and doing anything to make myself feel okay. I didn't know how to tap into my higher self or utilize maturity when I didn't feel like it. My boyfriend and I had a lot of tearful conversations and I ended up deciding to leave our apartment and move back home. I could have stayed. I could have stopped talking to her. I could have made it work, but I didn't. Mostly I'm upset that I hurt him in the way that I did. I so wish I could go back in time and just have a conversation with him about how I was feeling instead of bringing cheating into it. We were so close and he would have understood. Now that we've been apart almost two years, I've dated AFAB people. I've had wonderful experiences, including some of the best sex I've ever had. He has a girlfriend of a year or so who he's moving and traveling with. I had a really hard time when I found out. Now I genuinely hold no jealousy and only want the absolute best for both of them. I'm glad he's found someone to love despite the hurt I caused. I've sent apologies and tried to express how sorry I am on multiple occasions, some genuine and some to make myself be feel better, I now realize. We talk on the phone every once in a while and are amicable, even planning to see each other when he's home for the holidays. But there is a huge gash in our relationship, as there should be after what I did, and it's almost unbearable. I miss my best friend. Though I know everything will work out for the best, that I'm thankful for the things in my past that have taught me and the learning and growth I've committed to, I find myself sitting in the idea that if only we had just met 10, even five years later, we would have been perfect for each other. We've always felt like soulmates. I just needed time to learn about myself and experience other things, and I hate myself for ending something that could have been so good with some communication. I guess what I'm really asking is for perspective. It's so difficult to speak to friends about it because I'm the villain and I have difficulty expressing myself in conversation regardless. How do I move on from this horrible mess that I made? Is it possible to mend a friendship that I tore apart so harshly? Advice on how to stop idealizing what could have been and dreaming that maybe someday it will be when I know the thoughts aren't good for me. He's moved on and I'm gay. I broke his heart and I broke mine too. I just need to hear that my life isn't over because of the mistakes that I've made. Wow. Thank you so much for writing the villain. This is relatable. I think it's so relatable and I definitely can offer you some perspective. Uh, guess what? It is hard to look back 
on what we have cataloged as a good thing with shame and regret. It's mm. so painful. It's such a palpable pain. I mean, regret and shame as emotions are so physical and they they require us to carry them. You know, we you, you don't just like passively feel regret or shame. You carry it. Like it feels mm. like it seeps into your your pores, into your thought processes, into your memories. So then you can't just look back on a good thing that you know wasn't right, that you know wasn't wasn't all good, even if it was all good, right? You know you're not supposed to be with this person. The, it, the pain that you're feeling now is because you feel like you tainted a good thing and it hurts to look back on something. Um, and I just want to say lovingly reminding you that like we're not defined by our quote mistakes or the the, the um, choices that we've made or the pain that we're that we have caused. We're defined by our humanity, which includes all of it, which includes our, the good things and the bad things and the pain and the kindness. And, um, also we're like, we're not like defined by anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like take that back. Like we're not your worth or value or humanness. Isn't like a calculator spread or like a, I'm, I believe that they call those equations. <laughs> calculator, <laughs> calculator spread. spread. I like <laughs> it. <laughs> um, it's like, a, you know, you got a charcuterie, a calculator spread. <laughs> yeah, it's just like your TI-89s, your TI-83s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, you know, you, I don't know how else to say this, but like life, looking back on our lives, there's not a human out there that doesn't feel this pang of, I wish this went differently. Mm. I wish I made different choices. Mm-hmm. I wish I could look back on this quote, good thing and remember it with softness and with compassion For sure. and as only a good thing. Um, and that's just not going to, that's a, that's an impossible, an impossible standard to hold ourselves to. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might regret the way your relationship unfolded. You might regret the things that you caused to have it end or, or the things that you did to, to, to have it end or the way that you acted. Um, but I don't want you to, I don't want you to conflate feeling bad about that as, you know, you being a bad person or doing something that you shouldn't have done. Like, should you have not had an emotional affair or cheated? Like we can arguably say that you might not want to act like that in the future, (laughs) you know, like that you regret that and you wish you did something else, period. Like that is one conversation. But what I'm trying to say is you know that that relationship wasn't supposed to last. Like, Mm. you know that it was good, but it wasn't something about it wasn't good enough. Right. For sure. sure. And so, yeah, it might hurt to look back on it. It might hurt to look and see him, this very good person, this person that you love, that was your best friend, be happy with other people, um, be happy without you. And it probably hurts a lot to think like, damn, I took that good thing and ruined it. Well, you didn't ruin it. it. You 
you made choices that like led it on its journey. You, you made choices that, that revealed its true potential, which is not forever, which is not now, you know, I think I'm rambling at this point. Um, I think, I guess the last thing I'll say is like, is it, it's possible to have a, a, a iter, an iteration of regret that doesn't meet, make you a bad person. And it's possible to look back on something and say, damn, I wish that acted, I acted differently. I wish I felt differently about that memory mm-hmm. and, and know that that doesn't define you as a person now. And also that that changes over time. You know, in 10 years, you will look back on that relationship with a different feeling and a different perspective, but you still might feel a little sad. Yep. And that's okay. I think I should pass the baton because I'm kind of all over no. the place. <laughs> <laughs> it is okay to feel sad. Um, it's also okay to feel joy, it turns out. Uh, so the... The thing that I just want to say is that like you say in your, your letter a few times, right? Like I could have done this. I could have done this. I could have done this. And I just want to tell you, you couldn't have done that, right? Because you didn't. And if you could have done something differently, you would have done something differently. But those things that you wanted to, that you now looking back wanted to do around staying in relationship, having the conversation, not cheating, those things were not available to you because you were doing the best that you could with everything that you had in front of you, which means you couldn't have made a different decision. And, and I know that that's really hard to hear sometimes because it's like, Ooh, my best was kind of shitty, but I say that in a way to offer you uh, a way of moving forward to say that absolutely I regret the things that I did and I had no other choice. Those were the things that I had available to me. And those are the decisions that I made. And and I also want to like the narrative that you have in this relationship is that it was like good. It was fine until you fucked it up. But I want to say that like, yeah, you're that is putting yet yeah, giving yourself too much credit, <laughs> right? Like mm. you are you are absolutely one of the people that were in that relationship. Guess what? There was a whole other person in that relationship as well, right? And and it wasn't that you were the villain and he was the victim. You two were people who were participating in this relationship in ways that were making it unsustainable. And that is not to say, right, that I'm like saying like cheating's okay, do cheating, right? Like that's that's definitely not do what I'm cheating. saying. Yeah. <laughs> but like <laughs> But the reality is, is that our interactions with each other is the way that our relationships unfold with each other is so much more complicated than just like one person's the good guy and one person's the bad guy and is the confluence of circumstance, context, you know, uh, actions, inactions, conversations, lack of conversations, feelings, not feelings, right? It's like so many things that are blended together and our brains and our hearts want to create narratives that make things really clean and easy because then we can do the act of, um, that guy's a dick. So I'm never going to be with him ever again. And I was the victim or conversely, right? This idea of like, oh, now I have someone to blame and that person is me. So I can, I can self-flagellate over and over again to somehow make up for the hurt that this has caused me and caused my partner. And I appreciate the simplicity of that. Like I totally get it. And and there are so many ways that I wanted to do that because it also offers us an element of control too, right? This idea of like, oh, I should, if I could have done this differently, then this bad thing wouldn't have happened. And guess what? Bad things happen 
whether or not we try and control them, right? Yeah. Relationships end whether or not we cheat. Uh, people get hurt whether or not one of us is gay and doesn't quite know it yet, right? Like there's so many yeah. different elements that are here that that could have gone a million different ways and you are conveniently picking the one that hurts you the most, <laughs> right? That puts, mm-hmm. that causes you the most pain. So my invitation to you is to to find a different narrative that's probably more true, that's more complicated, more messy, more nuanced, but also doesn't just put you at the center of the harm that was caused. I think we've just been hit on the head over and over and over with the idea that love is supposed to last and we're supposed to have this true love and we're supposed to have like this one person and any love that doesn't work out um, is something to grieve about forever. So I feel Mm. like I'm at the process of under like my, the story I'm telling myself and the narrative I'm telling myself is like um, trying to give myself permission to no longer grieve something that I don't, that I know wasn't meant for me to begin with. I feel like the grief I have right now is habitual grief and Mm. it's, but it's a mask. It's a, it's a mask for my true emotions, which is our like, which is like, Oh, I love and respect that person. And, um, I hope that they are happy and have a great life. And I feel bad for the wrong. I feel bad that it wasn't me. Like, I feel bad that I wasn't the person who could bring them that happiness and, and like one day I'm going to fully let go of that feeling of, of feeling bad. I For think sure. that's where I'm at. And also that feeling bad isn't telling you a larger narrative about the story, right? You know, like, at least for me, like, it's like, when I look back and experience regret, I'm like, oh, this is tell this, this regret is trying to tell me something that I either want to be with this person again and I miss them deeply or, or it's telling me that I'm like such a fuck up. And if I hadn't been such a fuck up, this could have been the perfect relationship. Right. But it's not, the feeling isn't necessarily telling me a big story, right? The feeling is just telling me like exactly what I know, which is that that person was a really nice, wonderful, kind person that I was in relationship with. It didn't work out. And I, I'm sad that that happened. And I regret the yeah. ways that I didn't show up in the right way. But it's not a bigger story than that. It is contained in this container of this relationship that no longer exists and that yeah. I'm I'm no longer interested in being in, right? Like, I don't want to go yes. back to that person. I don't want, I'm, I'm happy. I am doing other things. I'm in a relationship that is more sustainable and fulfilling for me. So part of it for me was being like, this isn't a big emotion that I need to like spend a whole lot of time understanding and decompressing. Sometimes it is just the simplest solution, which is that I have nostalgia for things sometimes, right? Or I regret some of the actions that I took sometimes, or I really love and appreciate that person and wish that they could be in my life in some way and they can't. So like, that's sad for me, right? That's sometimes it's just that simple, but we get so in tuned with this, like, oh, I have to be paying attention. I have to be understanding the the bigger narrative. But sometimes the narrative that we tell ourselves just reinforces the shit that we tell ourselves all the time that's like not great for us, right? That tells this like awful right, story about totally. ourselves. You know what I mean? Does that, is that making I, sense? Like I I'm not totally telling people agree. not to feel their emotions. I'm just telling them to like right size them or like put them into the proper perspective of of what they are. All right, my darling, we hope that this helps. Uh, we know um, we know that it'll get better over time. Thanks for writing. Absolutely. We love you. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Our final letter comes to us from Fed Up, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from my wits end, Canada. Hi, Sam and Sierra. A friend introduced me to your podcast over the summer and has quickly earned a spot in my top five. Your compassion and balanced approach to so many questions, issues, and situationships always makes me smile. I wish there was more kindness like that in the world. All right. So why am I writing? I feel fed up with dating. I'm in my mid thirties and have had so many short flings with a few serious relationships in the mix. In the last two years, I have done a lot of work with my therapist to get to the root of some concerns. Surprise. It was trauma all along. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel really good and proud of myself for making the changes that I have. However, I still feel stuck. I can't seem to get more than two or three dates with someone before they start to ghost instead of actually saying anything. Usually I make a point of having a frank discussion and dragging the truth out, but it's exhausting. Where are all the mature humans who know how to communicate? I would much rather have a hard discussion than guessing or questioning my gut over and over. So many of my dating experiences start with excitement and the other person offering lots of compliments, usually about looks, and then it just fizzles. I feel like it doesn't help that I'm a very sexual person and physical chemistry is really important to me. It's like they have to... It's like they like to look at me, but not actually get to know me. And I'm constantly fighting the shame of being, quote, easy for having sex on the second or third date. Like, maybe that's the problem. Is it too much to ask to have great sex and someone to go antiquing with? My dates mostly come from the apps, but a few times I've been approached by friends of friends and enjoyed a few dates before things went south. Those were always the hardest because, like, why would you approach me if not to date. Like I said, I do have a therapist and she is great and has guided me through a lot of self-realizations, but it's not her style to give advice and that's okay. I'm just so tired of working on myself. And even though I won't ever stop doing that work, I would really appreciate some good old fashioned dating advice from trusted internet strangers. My friends aren't really the type that would go to bat for me, which is maybe another letter, but it would be really great to have someone in my corner right now. Thank you for all that you do. And hopefully this wasn't too long or ranty. (laughs) Best (laughs) fed up. All right, fed up. Thank you so much for writing. It wasn't too long and it was definitely not ranty. Um, And we are definitely, definitely in your corner. Uh, Yeah, dating is exhausting. And I can't imagine, you know, for two years uh, feeling like you've done the work and then and then not seeing that work pay off in other people or in your interpersonal relationships. Like you're like, look, I'm healed and I'm ready to like not enact my trauma on other people. And then other people are just like, we are incapable of meeting you here. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Absolutely. No, it reminds me of one of my favorite scenes in sex in the city when Charlotte has like just broken up with something or someone. And she's like, they're at the diner and, and she's like, where is he? I have been dating since I was 15. Where is he? And it's just like, it's like so relatable because it's like, God, dating fucking sucks in so many different ways. Right. Like, and as somebody who loves first dates, right. Like I also know that the, like the grind of dating is like just 
so frustrating in so many different ways, especially when we're trying to do it in a way that feels like healthy and, and sustainable for us. And other people just keep meeting us with like mediocrity yeah. at best. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and I also want to say this, I thought about this in prepping for this episode. We haven't talked about ghosting in a while. And the revelation I had about ghosting is unfortunately... I feel like it is part has become part of dating culture, like wholly, you know, um, mm -hmm. it probably existed before like cell phones and the internet, um, <clears throat> where you just like disappear from somebody's life. But I feel like because the internet and dating apps and cell phones have given us such immediate access, like, yep. um, it's become the more common way to end things. And, you yep. know, I have mixed feelings about ghosting. I feel like it happens for realistic reasons more than half of the time um, or like understandable reasons for more than half the time. And also I think that as a culture, we've become really, we've cheapened that, that conversation by just avoiding it. You know, it would mm -hmm. be so much mm -hmm. easier hypothetically just to say, I'm not interested or like, Hey, I had a good time. I'm not interested in dating or For whatever, sure. you know? Um, I just think over, since you and I've started the podcast, it's become like the Expected. way to do things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, which is a bummer. Uh, and I'm sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have like a, an idea about this letter and about what I want to say, but it's like not fully flushed out. So are you ready for this? I'm so excited. <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, let's see if I can make this work. So you, you're expressing right now that you're tired on of working on yourself and you know, you have to do that all the time. Um, but it's like, damn, like, why isn't this work paying off? And you also express like, I'm always the one to force the conversation or to force the communication, but that's annoying and exhausting as well. Um, and the, what I'm perceiving right now is that you're putting in a lot of work that's not being reciprocated. Mm -hmm. And this, this advice is not going to work for your whole life. So please I'm really excited uh, keep in mind <laughs> <laughs> please keep in mind that this is not like a blanket statement but I was just like musing to myself on like ways that you could maybe approach this differently or from a different perspective just to try on something new and like I hate myself for saying this but like what would it look like if you if you put in what you got what you were getting from people. Like what if you don't sure. force that very intimate um, communicative conversation? What if you demand people to communicate with you if they are capable of that communication? Yep. Uh, I haven't really thought this out, but he, this is, this is what I'm picturing no, is that you. I see you, you doing all this work. I see you doing all this work and it's starting to, to burn you out because people aren't reciprocating it. And it's, and you feel like you have to, if you have to, you have to drag them to the, to the conversation and, and practically have the conversation for them. Um, when in the past, when I did, tra when I was traveling abroad to countries that like didn't speak English or no, excuse me, the countries where their primary language wasn't English, but they all spoke English and I didn't speak um, German is what, what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. 
when I was German, when I was in Germany, everybody there spoke English. And so they, they literally made my trip possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I described that communication be, by, uh, as like them building, you know, normal communication is that you and somebody else, they build a bridge and then you walk across that bridge together and you meet in the middle. Like that's normal communication. For sure. And this, when I was in Germany, you know, I was so grateful for their, their label labor and their knowledge because they made my trip feel so much more capable, but I was like doing no work, you know, they were like building that. Not only did they walk all the way to the other side of the bridge to meet me, they built the fucking bridge by themselves. You yeah, know, I just learned, like sat there like yeah. ignorant ass American, <laughs> like I speak English and a little bit of Spanish, you know, and I felt so grateful for that communication labor. And I feel like that's what you're doing here is that like, not only are you walking all the way to the other side of the bridge, dragging them into the center of the bridge and being like, (laughs) this is how you have a human adult conversation. You also built the fucking bridge, right? You also made this communication possible with your own head and heart work and, you know, forcing the conversation and things like that. So this unthought out idea is just like, what if you stop putting yourself in positions just temporarily, just during this, this season of dating where you stop putting energy in places that is not being reciprocated. And again, like I said, at the beginning of this unthought out rant, this is not applicable for like everything in life. It's not even applicable for communication as a whole. (laughs) I'm just trying to think like, well, what could you do differently that might make you feel less burnt out? Um, I don't know, but am I essentially being like, stop trying to reach out to people? Like, am I... I think is she literally going to like burn the bridge and then <laughs> not like have opportunity for connection? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, um, I think the way that I would sort of think about it is also about, um, how are you enforcing a one right or best way to practice emotional maturity? And are there places where you might be missing people reaching out to you in a way that looks unfamiliar to you because you have sort of this expectation around this is what it should look like. This is what communication should be happening. This is how we should be talking to each other, right? And and are there places where folks are trying to talk to you and you might be missing it because you're looking for English and they're speaking German to you. Right. So right. I think it's, it's not necessarily about like give up and just like not do anything, which again, is not what Sierra was saying, but more about the idea of, are you being really sort of, uh, fixed in your understanding of how healthy communication and relationship looks? And are there places where it might be happening that you're not paying attention to because you're so sort of focused on this way of doing things, right? This is not to say that like ghosting is appropriate, but also maybe somebody has a different understanding of how often you communicate when you're dating somebody that might be different than yours, where you're saying, okay, well now we need to have a conversation about it because these things are different and, and you're basically ghosting me, right? So like, Not that that's happening. I don't know. I'm not in your body and I'm not in these relationships. So that might not be happening. But I know that when I was dating um, and even in my relationships with lots of people in my life, I have to really understand that the people that I am in relationship with are emotionally rich, are 
have rich histories of experiences, identities, cultures, backgrounds. And my job is not to say that there's a right or best way of practicing being in relationship with me, but instead sort of recognizing that like there are some hard and fast things for me for sure, but that love, intimacy, communication looks different for different people because of the places that they're in, because of the bodies that they're in. Mm. So not to say that like, you should not believe your own experiences of being ghosting, being ghosted, because I think that that's absolutely true. But I do think that all of us can spend some time sort of recognizing we may have a particular way that we think our relationships and communication should go. And other people might have a different way of being or a different way of thinking. And, and we might be missing things by looking for here are the perfect indicators of a healthy and mature person. And if they don't have those things, then I have to either fix them meet them or like give up on them. Um, and there might be a different way of, of going about it, which I'll just say like dating sucks. So I'm sorry. Like, I don't know that there's like, <laughs> I wish I could give you like a checklist of like, here's how to find the perfect partner in six minutes or less. I, Cause we would be rich first of all. And secondly, yeah. like it would, it would be really helpful for a lot of people. Um, but the reality is, is that like, being in relationship with people, being in dates with people is really hard because people are so different because they have different understandings of the ways things should go, different ways of communicating, different expectations. And that's all made even more worse by the the advent of dating apps and of communication where we don't actually have to like be in actual intimate relationship with each other. We just have to like see your name on a phone. Right. So like all of that is made more difficult. Um, so I'm trying to offer some practical advice while also being like, it's not necessarily anything that you're doing wrong. It's <laughs> more so just like the fact that it sucks out there. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I think it's also like anxiety inducing because you're like, I'm doing all this head and heart work. I'm working on myself. And now I feel like what I'm doing is is making people ghost me, you know, like I'm having mm. sex too soon or I'm not being explicit enough or they're whatever. Um, and so that adds to the dating exhaustion of being like, well, I, I, am I doing something wrong? Am I putting myself out there in a way that makes people feel like they can ghost me or is it me or right. whatever? You know, this is just a general reminder that you can do all of the right things. You mm -hmm. can, um, be the perfect charming first date. You can be great in the sack. You can be, a wonderful potential partner and somebody is still not at the right juncture in their life to receive right. you right. or they are looking for something else or they fucking, you know, their dog got lost and they, their phone caught on fire or they don't have the capacity or emotional tools or whatever to text you back. And then they feel anxious about it. You know, like we just don't know, but this is not me saying right or wrong in any direction there. I'm just saying, yeah, of course you're burnt out. Like, of course you're exhausted. It's it dating requires a lot of labor. Mm -hmm. This is labor and it's emotional labor because we're trying to put ourselves out there. We're trying to sell ourselves, <laughs> you know, we're trying to, to find human connection um, and to feel worthy of it while also finding it in others. Like it's just, it's just challenging. All of it is challenging. Um, I want to just 
I do want to say there's nothing wrong with sleeping with somebody on the first, second, third, or fourth date. You're not doing anything wrong by being, quote, too easy. That is an archaic idea. And I know that there's like pressure and anxiety and real oppressive forces out there that, that, I know that there are real things out there that come from the idea ideologies that, that you're talking about. Um, and also, you know, internet friend on internet stranger friend over here, just saying like, if that, if physical compatibility is important to you and you feel good having sex on first, second, third, fourth date, whatever, you're not doing anything wrong because the right person won't see that as, you know, I don't know, like sexually opportunistic or whatever like you're you're doing that because that's important to you and i think that's great yeah i think that there's there's a lot of ways in which we sort of place blame on ourselves and a lot of ways in which we place blame particularly on uh women and um feminine <laughs> presenting folks about like you should be doing all of these things in order to like trap a man or whatever uh and and those narratives are really ingrained and really challenging. So um, appreciate that, like you're navigating shit that is really hard and complicated and and shitty in a lot of different ways. Um, and and I think part of what we can do, or part of what we would, I would invite you to do, is like, how are you going at a pace that's sustainable for you, right? How are you doing what you need to do to take care of yourself in the face of these sort of immovable things about people being complicated and weird gender aspects of dating and the reality of being a hundred percent online um, and, and offering yourself the, the kindness and grace of saying like, it's not necessarily anything that you're doing wrong so much as like, this is just a shitty situation. So given that reality, how do I want to do this in a way that's sustainable for me? And how do I want to take care of myself when I get ghosted? Because no matter how many times we get ghosted, it still fucking sucks, right? It still hurts. It's still rejection. Yeah. And I don't think that any of us is really capable of, of becoming um, numb to the pain of that. So how are you holding yourself and supporting and loving yourself in this? How are you, you drawing on the support and love of your community, the people around you when stuff like that happens? Um, and just recognizing it's hard to move through life, getting rejection after rejection from people that we're trying to, to make meaningful connection with. So, um, I guess it's not like super practical advice in any meaningful way, just a more of a, like, we see you and, and we know that this is true for you. And, and the only thing that we have available to us is to control our own reactions, responses, and choices. Um, and, and that can be so disappointing to say, like, I wish that I could just get people to do something different. Um, but it sounds like you're doing a lot of things right. Uh, those things are really challenging. Mm -hmm. And just know that Sierra and I, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners, the folks on the private Facebook group, I'm sure would love to support you in this, um, are here for you in the general shittiness that is dating in 2022. <laughs> cheers cheers to that right All right, my darling <laughs> we love you so much um i i believe in you and i hope that this makes you feel a little little supported um thank you so much for writing absolutely we love you all right, friends, this brings us to the blind date segment of this episode. Every show, we like to shout out something that we love that we want to set you up with. And this week, we are sending you home with a TV show called Interview with the Vampire. Um, 
Oh my AMC. God. Very homosexual. So it's I hear. <laughs> so homosexual. Um, well, the first one like was a, too, but it was like in the nineties. So, <laughs> so they, it was like sort of implied, but never like made explicit. Um, yeah, so this is um, a remake or an adaptation of the Anne Rice novel Interview with a Vampire, which came out, like I think, in like the 90s. Um, and then there was a movie with uh, Brad Pitt and Kristen, Kirsten Dunst and someone else who's, who I'm forgetting, yep. um, which was good. Um, but like Sierra said, it was sort of like queer baity, like we know that they're like together, but they're like not actually fucking. Um, and this iteration... Uh, is so good and they fuck in the first episode spoiler alert so it was like okay I know what I'm getting now right this is not just like we're playing at this this and is like gay. yeah yes absolutely like this is he is saying that he is queer um Lestat is is pansexual right like this these are like all conversations that they're having out loud which is like really refreshing um and it's like it's beautifully shot right it takes place in like um like the 19 teens in New Orleans um like the costuming is really good the acting is good um and the main character is played by a black man right so there's just like a lot of really awesome things sort of happening that were like sort of hinted at in previous iterations of this this experience and now are like being much more like sort of out in the open talked about and it just feels much better um it is like a vampire show though so like there's like violence like the relationship between Lestat and Louis is like not super healthy so want to like make that super clear but it is just so enjoyable to not see um not see like the queer relationships between people being either like hinted at but not actually made explicit or sort of like being side things or like weird sort of like scintillating stuff that's happening and instead just being like yeah nope these are just two queer vampires who like want to fuck each other and are like kind of mean to each other because they're vampires um so would recommend i've been enjoying quite a bit i'm only on like episode four though so it may go off the rails by the end of the series <laughs> i'm not quite sure but it has like a 99 percent on rotten tomatoes so like i think other people are also liking it um so check it out uh it's on amc um i'm watching it because i have a friend's log into their xfinity account i don't know how other people can watch it but if you have it available to you please check it out uh it is an interview with the vampire uh it's on amc all right, everyone. Thank you so much for uh, listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all the things at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please remember to follow us and uh, subscribe. Give us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. And if you subscribe this month at any level, you will get access to our uh, New Year's office hours on uh, December 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. Um, this is a once in December opportunity for folks who subscribe at any level to come chat with me and Sierra. So if you are considering supporting us on Patreon, now is a great time to do it. Uh, mm -hmm, please do this. Mm -hmm. It helps us keep the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers, giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis. Make sure to check out his newest project. It's called the document. It's a documentary called Race to Alaska. You can find it streaming everywhere where things stream. 
sort of. And remember, letting go of people in our past can be hard, but you can wish them well while also acknowledging the sadness that ebbs and flows when you think of them. Hmm. Letting go of the past can be hard because it often means that you need to connect with your past self and offer that person compassion and gentleness. But you can do all of this. You can be grateful for your past relationships and all the positive moments that came with it and the lessons that brought you here to this moment of deeper clarity and greater authenticity. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>